Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Pause I Am Radio. Your hosts for tonight's show are Robert Brining and Jeremy Dunn. They will be taking your calls and speaking with a different guest each week. You are encouraged to call in and share your life experiences with us. The number to call is 347-215-9442. That number again, 347-215-9442. Are you ready for your dose of hope? You're listening to Pause I Am Radio. And welcome to Pod Time Radio. I'm your host, Robert Brining. This evening, I am joined by the fabulous Jack McEnroe. Welcome, Black Jack. What's up? How you been? I've been really good. How have you been? Good. I feel like it's been forever since you've been on the show, so it's good to have you back. Thank you. Well, you know me. I'm I'm like that. I'm in. I'm out. I'm up. I'm down. I'm here. I'm there. <laughs> You're not swimming somewhere, you're skiing somewhere, or launching some website, always doing something. I'm doing something, yeah. But it's all good. It's been really crazy. Um, yeah, I've been traveling a ton. Like you said, I'm, I'm launching a new website. So, But it's all good. I can't complain. I'm busy, but, you know, it can be worse. Right, that's true. Well, what, what is what is good with, with Miss Minister McEnroe? What, what is going on? I know you have some things to talk about. We'll get into later, but we'll, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the main thing I'm the the thing that's taking all of my time right now is um, I launched on October first a HIV centric. It's aimed at HIV positive um, men who have sex with men dating site, and it's dating in loose quotes because it's right now what it is. It's called Voltage. It's V-O-L-T-T-A-G-E dot com, two T's. And initially, there's two T's because initially the first logo was two positive signs. Um, and actually, Voltage, with spelled correctly, is already taken as a URL. But so we had to get creative and we figured, like, so it's like grinder is not spelled phonetically. I mean, it's not spelled correctly. So whatever. It's just a made-up word. Um but, yeah, I mean, it, you know, we've been working on it. I've been working on it with two partners from Dallas for since February, I think. And um, we finally just had to cut the cord, and it's not perfect. It's still kind of in beta testing phase. And it's it's we'll talk about it more after we have the girls on. But, um, you know, it's really interesting. It's brought up a lot of questions for people about disclosure and inclusion and fighting the stigma and what it's like. And, I mean, that's kind of what the impetus around doing a site that's aimed at HIV-positive men. So we don't even ask status on Voltage. We just we assume that people are positive and proceeding accordingly. And it's had some really – a lot of press and some really good interviews about what that means and how – what the response has been. And it's been pretty amazing and overwhelming. So – so that has taken all my time. And then um, I was just in L.A. doing a photo shoot, and I went to an Ampar event, and then I swam in a swim meet in Philadelphia, and then I came home. 
Yeah, I was kind of upset that when you told me that you were in Philly and you didn't call me, but that's okay. I know. I'm sorry. I literally came in. I like flew in from LA because I had to change my ticket. I stayed right by the train station, and I was there for one night, and then I swam in the morning, and then I took the train back home. So I don't feel too bad. I did awesome. I'm actually I've been, um, uh, I've been so I stayed in shape since Iceland, which I usually go to a big meet and then I take a whole bunch of time off and I get out of shape again and then I train back for. But I I've been in shape, so I'm managing to stick around some of my best times. Um, so yeah, I, I won two events and I got silver in the second or in the third, which is good because the guy who beat me went to the Olympic trials, so I don't feel too bad. <laughs> Well, that's good. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, well, what's you new with you? you? What? You out of shape. I don't think I've ever seen you out of shape. Well, when I say out of shape, I mean out of shape like, you know, you can be, you can look fit, and then if someone says run a marathon, you can't run a marathon. Like, I have to get in training shape, like, for so I'm ready to compete. So that's what I mean by being in shape. Gotcha. Yeah, like you can't, you can't not, you can't. I can't just go to the gym and then swim. Like I have to spend a lot of time in the pool to have that feel for the water and to have the endurance. And then otherwise, I just sink to the bottom. <laughs> Weren't you in Iceland? Yeah, I, was, I swam at a meet in Iceland, but that was way back in May. Really, it seems so far. Yeah. We'll see in those pictures of you in Iceland. You say what? I remember the pictures on Facebook of you in Iceland in the water there. Yeah. Yeah, that was amazing, actually. Totally. It was one, it was one of the funnest trips I've ever been to because it, it never gets – while we were there, it was their summer, so we, it never gets dark, ever. It was so weird because you would be out at, like, 3 o'clock in the morning, and it was, like, noon. It was, it was really bizarre. It was a total head – it's a really – it's quite a head trip what, what the day and night do to your – brain like so i met a couple local people there and they were saying it's yeah it's great in the summertime and then in the winter time everyone gets really depressed so yeah i mean imagine 24 hours of darkness i would be like oh i'm going to kill myself (laughs) (laughs) so yeah that's kind of we're all caught up now. I don't have too much else. I had a boyfriend uh, for four months, and then I just threw him to the curb like three weeks ago, um, which I won't get into why, but um, it's all fine. Is that fine. a good thing for you? Say what? Is a good thing for you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was. He has his own issues that he needs to work out. He's a good guy, but he just it wasn't the right time for him, and then – he accused me of cheating on him, which I totally didn't do. And he just had a lot of weird jealousy things and trust issues and whatever. So I was like, honey, I'm too old for this. I don't, I'm out. So, so plus, I mean, I'm, I'm not kidding you. When I tell you I work seven days a week, I'm not, I'm not really that fun to be around now anyways. So it, it was, wasn't time for me either. So, you know, I wish him the best and onward and upward. <laughs> well, that's good. You know, you get the scoop here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, and let me plug really quick. Um, I and we maybe you can post it on Pause I Am for the new, local New York people. 
I am um, partnering with SIN, the Strength in Numbers group in New York City, Positive Alliance, and Voltage. We're doing a bar night at the Ritz. They do an event in the Ritz, and then I'm coming on board, which is the, this Thursday, October 25th, from 9 to 12. And we're giving away, uh, like, uh, 100 T-shirts to the first 100 people that come. So, oh, cool. Yeah. I'll save you on Thursday at the Ritz? Say what? You say this Thursday coming up at the Ritz in New York? Yep, this Thursday. Yep, at the Ritz on, it's in the meatpacking district. I don't know the exact address. Where can they find information after that? Is there a website? Um, They can go to, let me think. Um, You know, if you go to... Uh, my Facebook page is on there somewhere, and then Voltage now has a Facebook page, which is if you just put V O L T T A G E in Facebook, it'll pull it up, and I've posted it on there, and I'll keep posting it um, on my page more. And if you're a member of Voltage, I posted it on there. We have our own like little blog on there. Um, yeah, so I mean, just Google me, and it'll if you really want to find it, and then I'll just keep posting it and. Yeah, that'll be around. <laughs> cool. Well, well uh, one of the new things that's been going on with me is I've been taking some of these um, uh, HIV education and training classes. Right. Because eventually you want to become a testing counselor. So um, I've been taking these, these classes the last two days, actually, or, or Thursday and Friday. I, I take an every exam on uh, Wednesday. And it's basically right now just basic, like, um, HIV 101, AIDS 101. Right. It's fun. You know, for me, you know, I'm not into scientific stuff. So learning about all that is something that, you know, is somewhat difficult at times. It's the AAOC, HIV AIDS renal training. I mean, it's fun, and I'm learning, and I haven't really been in the classroom since high school, so it's something new for me. But it's a fun time at the end of the day. So I'll have to take another set of uh, five-day classes to be actually become um, a tester and counselor for people living with HIV because I feel that it's important that there are positive people there to give the results. I know. Oh, for yeah. Me, yeah, I went to my family doctor to get tested, and he gave me my results. I was, you know, dumbfounded because he didn't really give me any information, no pamphlets. It was just kind of like, now you need to find a new doctor. So... After that experience, I kind of felt like I needed to be there to help other people, and that's kind of why I know I'm starting a radio show, to kind of let people know that it's going to be okay. And when you get that diagnosis from somebody who's already lived with the disease for over a decade, it's a little bit more comforting because they know what it's like to go through that process, and they can really answer those questions for you. Yeah, totally. So, no, I, I think mean, that's great. Yeah, that's why I want to do it. I mean... And in the end, if it gives me some sort of job where I can make some great money, hey, it's a bonus. Right. Well, I mean, my only experience with that, like like you said, I was I got my results from a gastrointestinal specialist who didn't know anything about HIV, and this was in 1990, and you know, it was awful. And then the only other experience I've had, obviously, I've never been tested again, so I've because I already knew my results. Um, I went with this past boyfriend to get tested and he assumed that he was positive actually and he turned out to be negative but it was interesting because it's a really 
as you forget, it's a really, really, really stressful time. Like, he sat to sit there for half an hour, and he was totally freaking out. And he even thought, you know, he's like, oh, I'm sure I'm positive. And I was like, well, but even still, he was like, oh, my God, just I'm so nervous. And there was, like, a movie playing in the waiting room. He's like, I fucking hate this movie. And it was, you know, and then he went in, and he was so stressed. And, you know, he came out, and he was like, yeah, I'm negative. And, but it's just that whole, I mean, there's a, I'm sure you're going to have to go through a lot of sensitivity training for all that stuff because it's so loaded. I mean, even if you kind of know what to expect and you know you can – think you can guess your results it's like it's still really nerve-wracking yeah so that's why i do it and i hope in the end that i'm able to pass everything and i'm able to help people who are newly diagnosed you know and actually get paid for it and not do it something that is you know a volunteer thing i actually see our guests here on the on the phone line so i want to go ahead and bring them on uh last week we uh, jeremy and i spoke with uh, rebecca dennison and she um, two beautiful daughters who are 16 years old. They're going to come on and share what it's like to be, um, you know, the, basically the, the kid of an uh, HIV-positive mother. Um, we really never really approached the story, um, you know, from this angle before. So I think it's going to be a really good and, and different kind of interview than what you've heard here before on Pod by Radio. So please help me welcome Sophie and Sarah Dennison Johnson. Hello, girls. Hi. <laughs> Hi. How's it going? Good. It's so cute. Your voices are so cute. I was like, oh my god, they're sixteen. I remember. I could, I, you could be, you could be my daughters because I'm forty-three. I'm an old, old hag. Because <laughs> Bree adopted us, so I mean, yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Well, it's great to have you guys on. So you, um, so 16, you are in what grade? You're sophomores? Uh, we're juniors. Juniors. Yeah. Awesome. So how's the whole high school experience treating you? Um, it's pretty good. I like it a lot better than middle school, and I think Sophie will agree with me. Yeah. Yeah, Berkeley High is an awesome place. I'm so glad to go there. But it's really hard. <laughs> So, Robert, have you spoken to them at all before, or are you just meeting and kind of talking to them for the first time as well? Actually, I got to meet both of these lovely ladies at the International AIDS Conference. Um, my partner, Sean, actually befriended uh, them quickly um, after we were at the, the Body.com dinner that was held there because they had guest blogs there um, on, on the Body.com that were, I think, from AIDS United, right, girls? Yeah. Like that they wrote, and and they were there attending the thing, and Sean is a high school teacher, so he kind of automatically went over and started talking to them, um, you know, get to know them and see what their story was, because when they went around the room at the dinner, they allowed everybody to share, and one of the things that they shared was, you know, that their mother was HIV positive and that they were negative and that they, you know, wanted to really get involved in the community, so I thought that it was, it was great, and, and their mother, Rebecca, actually found World which um, we spoke on last week's show when she came on and shared her story. So um, it, it was great. Honestly, I would have approached two girls if Sean didn't go first, but he always seems to beat me to the punch. <laughs> well, I think yeah. for the record, we approached Sean. Yeah, he was on his way out, and we told him that we would like to give him a hug. So that was us, actually. <laughs> oh, yeah, so you wanted to give him a hug. He's taking all the credit over here so you know. 
Yeah, no, he doesn't get the credit. <laughs> so, so um, let, go ahead. Yeah. No, I was just going to start it off and, and ask um, some some normal everyday questions. If you want to rotate answers, girls, I mean that's up to you. Um, I don't want you to talk over each other, but you guys are—I don't know if you're in the same room or the same phone or on the same line. Um, but um, <laughs> what is, what is it like? Now, um, being in high school, what is it like for you, and um, are you involved in any kind of clubs or, or sports there at, at high school, in school? Um, well, high school is really nice. I'm I'm Sarah, by the way. Um, I'm not really involved in many clubs. I've been trying to contact our uh, health educator. We have an amazing health program at Berkeley High. We have a health center with free um, STD testing there, and there's some really, really great people there. So I'm trying to get involved in that. Um, Sophie does crew. She's on the varsity team, so Ooh. we're all very proud of her. Awesome. And I played rugby uh, two years ago, and that was super fun. But, yeah, high school's great. That's actually really impressive that you have STD testing, and, like, that's I'm, – I'm really impressed because a lot of schools – Yeah, we have a peer education program for – or peer – health education program, and so they go to schools in Berkeley, Oakland, and, like, just around in the classrooms as well and teach um, fellow students about health education. It's really, it's really valuable. I like it a lot. Awesome. So, wait, you guys are, where are you located? Sorry, I didn't do my homework. We're in Berkeley, California. (laughs) Awesome. I'm a bear. Hello, class of 91. (laughs) (laughs) Are you, do you think you're going to stay in the area? Oh, we have no idea. I think Cal, in terms of colleges, is on both of our lists. It's, it's awesome. It's kind of one of those things where for college you want to get out of town, but at the same time, Berkeley rocks. <laughs> Berkeley's awesome. Yeah, I know. I mean, I, I grew up in Seattle, and I wanted to get away from my mom. No offense to your mom, because sure she's lovely. <laughs> <laughs> but you know how it is when you're a teenager. I was like, get me out of here. So Berkeley, yeah. Berkeley is awesome. Plus, it's so humongous. It's like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, you can get lost in it. So, anyway. Yeah. That was a little a off topic, school. but Berkeley's awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's funny. So, so what kind of music do you girls listen to? Oh, that's a hard question. We like pretty much everything. I know that's, like, a really common answer, but it's definitely true. Like, uh, uh, everything. <laughs> Let's see. What song is on your playlist now? Let's put it that way. Okay, well, I mean, it depends on what playlist. Like, if I'm going to go work out, there's some dubstep on there. I don't know. If I'm going to go to sleep, it's like Mumford & Sons. Depends <laughs> on my mood. And how, like, are you guys identical or fraternal? We are identical. identical. Oh, I love that. That's so cool. Um, so um, I just want to, like, pick your brains about the twin thing, you know, probably be like, oh, my God, we've been asked this question a million yeah, times. Totally but, fine. <laughs> um, so are, who's four and four? Who's older? Um, I, Sophie, is older Sophie's by old, two Okay. Minutes. And now do you, because I'm fascinated also by birth order, do you find that you act like the older sibling? No. I think so. No. <laughs> Who said no? I think so. Sarah says no. Sophie says yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I well, I cook for her. Does that count? 
Well, usually the oldest time and the oldest child, so that's why I find it fascinating. And even though they, you know, you guys, I'm sure, are minutes apart, usually in birth order, identical twins, when the older one acts like the older one and is just sort of, mm, like, a little bit bossier, takes charge a little bit more. I don't know if that's true with you guys. I'm just curious. She's a, Sophie's a little bossier, but I have a job, so, I mean, there's that. <laughs> I had a job over the summer, for the record. Uh, so funny. And then do you have other siblings as well? Uh, we have a half-sister named Allie. Okay. But, yeah, she's 24. Oh, cool. Um, Robert, your turn. <laughs> so, so, so you said that you actually do it. Um, STD testing in your high school? Yeah, we do. It's really cool. I think that is so incredible because, I mean, they don't even mention the word HIV in my Catholic high school. So for them to actually do testing in school, it's so advanced and so... Well, that's Berkeley for you. Hello. That's why when I... When you guys said that, I was like, well, clearly you're not in Texas. Like, <laughs> No, no, we're not. I feel very blessed to be living in Berkeley. We're very progressive about those kinds of issues. And so, yeah, we have a lot of support around those touchy issues. Which is, I Do a lot, really of, a lot of the kids go and actually get tested? Well, it's very, it's very um, private, so... Okay, it's kind of hard to explain. It has, like, you know, the policies are kind of no cell phones allowed. They want it to be, like, very personal. So it's not like a, people aren't very public about their status. Yeah, it's confidential. So, I mean, I don't know how many people actually go, but the fact that it's offered is enough for me. Right. No, that's great. That's even better that there's no there's, – it's totally anonymous or, you know, you don't know who's yeah. going because then it wouldn't, it wouldn't affect anyone's decision to, have, to go get tested. That's great. So, um, what would you? I'm sorry, Jess. One of the things is, what would you say? Since they, they they do do HIV testing, what kind of topics do they do? Whether it's um, HIV or STDs, and maybe class when you're there, do they actually? I'm sure, obviously, talk about it. They're often testing. Um, what, what kind of things do they talk about in high school? Because for me, I went to a Catholic high school, and it was one of those things that they mentioned in one day. It was grouped in all STDs, never mentioned it again. So what do they do now? I mean, I graduated in 97, so that's a long time ago. What is it like <laughs> now in high school? Do they actually talk about that? Yeah, they do talk about it. They also give out free condoms. They, you can be part of the condom club, and you get, like, 12 condoms a week, I think. <laughs> Um, they talk very openly about all those kinds of subjects. I think probably about um, at least a quarter to a third of the um, like peer education speeches that they do in class are about like HIV and um, statistics and that kind of stuff, stigma and all those things. A little bit less about stigma, but a lot more about safety. And so they offer a lot of resources, and they do talk very openly about it. They do little mini quizzes and try to make it so very comprehensive. So, yeah, I think it's a really good program. That's totally amazing. Because actually I went to, I, well, I'm you, I'm class of 87, which gives you an idea. I was just when you're, I'm, yeah, whatever. Um, but I went to actually a fairly liberal school in Seattle, and I don't even remember having sex education. 
or health education. I mean, I'm sure we did, but whatever. I was probably too busy, like, smoking cigarettes and being an asshole. So, well, that's interesting. So, um, so t- tell me what it's like to... Um, have, you know, have a mom who's HIV positive. Like, like, what does that mean to you, and how has that factored into growing up and how, in your life now? I think that the way it was presented to us as kids, we didn't realize that it was something different. You know, how a lot of times, like, you hear, you know, kids that grow up with gay parents, they talk, they talk about how, like, I didn't realize that my family was, like, different from what normally fam- like what normal families were like. So I think that's kind of similar in that, I mean, we knew that she had this illness, but we didn't really realize that, like, other people were afraid of it, that other people didn't know that, like, it wasn't passed through, like, just casual contact. So I think that... For us, it was, like, a pretty normal thing, and it it didn't really get scary until my mom, like, got sick right before she went on meds, but it was it was kind of just, like, a thing that we knew in the background. It didn't really affect how we thought of her. And then right. in terms of growing up, there was just a lot of, like, it was kind of cool because since my mom started that organization, World, at all these events, we'd get to go to and meet all these really cool people. So, I mean... It's weird because we didn't really realize the full effect of the disease. We just kind of were like, oh, yeah, it's that thing that mom has, but it wasn't this, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to yeah. better describe it. <laughs> no, that, that totally makes sense. I mean, I think it's just what you're, especially when you're young, like your insular nuclear family, it's so your world that you're just like, we don't really know anything else, and it's not that big of a deal. And then until someone kind of makes it a big deal, I guess. Yeah. It's definitely like that. Like someone would be like, "Oh my gosh, your mom has HIV. That must be so hard." And I'm kind of like, "Oh, it is." Yeah. I guess so. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it wasn't really something that I would just like think about all the time. Yeah, and the other yeah. thing that um, came more as a big thing as we were growing up was when we started getting old enough to kind of have the concept of death. I think, and not right. necessarily about my mom, but about my mom's friends. And so it really wasn't that big of a deal. We're like, oh, she's not sick, she's not dying, she's just fine. And she still is just fine. But when we saw her losing her friends, that became more real. Yeah, that makes sense. The question I have is, how did your mother actually tell you? Because from what I remember from the interview last week when we spoke to your mom, that she actually ended up talking to you about it at a very young age. Yeah, I I don't remember a specific time that she would sit us down and say, okay, there's something I need to tell you. I think it was more of just kind of dropped. I kind of remember more. It's like, oh, remember, don't touch anyone else's blood. And that was kind of like, oh, okay, sure. Um, I I don't remember a specific time that she sat down and told us. It was just kind of something that we grew up knowing, I think, the way that she introduced it to us. So I think that kind of helped not make it a big deal that she didn't sit down and say, okay, there's this really big scary thing that I have. It was more kind of... Every, you know, every few days, oh, by the way, I'm living with this. Right. Yeah. And how do you think that, I mean, obviously you're much more educated on the subject than probably most of your peers because you've experienced it your whole life. So 
how, how has that been useful to you? I mean, have you been able to educate other people, and how has that affected your life? Certainly. Like, when I came to high school and I started meeting all these new people, and sometimes people would make jokes about it, and I'd be like, ah, that's actually, like, not really funny. And they just didn't really know any better. And I had a really good um, middle school education about health and that kind of thing, and a lot of people didn't. And so when I saw my friends kind of doing some dangerous things, I actually sat them down and was like, hey, look, I have a mom living with HIV, and I know a lot about this disease, and I just hope you know, like, I don't, like, I'm not against your, like, the way you're living your life, but I just hope you're doing it safely because even though my mom's not dying, like, it's still a serious thing, and it's, like, it's much better to live without HIV, like, if you can avoid it, like, please actually yeah. take this seriously. So I think that that was really, really useful, um, especially just going into high school with so many people who didn't have um, just the background knowledge that we had grown up with. And I think that it coming from a more personal, like a more friendly person that they knew really well, I think that actually really affected how they, you know, live their lives. Received it, yeah. Well, and I think that background noise is a really good description for having how that you have that sort of just in your in your realm of normalcy. But um, I, I think that, well, I think that's also really important to what you t- touched on about how you can be educational for other people your age because you do have that experience. And I mean, I think you're really relatable in that sense. And you know, I I can preach all day long to teenagers and they're like oh whatever like I mean I think you'd actually be really maybe you wouldn't be surprised because you sound you're obviously in a very progressive community and well-educated community but I'm so shocked by people you know especially in the gay community and people my age and you talk to them and they have no idea about HIV and I'm like what the hell like it's not like you're living in a third world country it's something that every adult that's that should know about. And it's amazing that some people your age are, I mean, you're, you're really great messengers for this kind of education. Yeah, it was really interesting when we started the health education segment. Um, I already knew most of the stuff that they were talking about, but it was really shocking to see how many people had no idea and, like, how many people were starting to have to know about health education and just really didn't, even in a place as progressive as Berkeley. And so I'm really glad that there's the peer education because I feel like even if they had had that um, those things taught to them before, maybe they just hadn't listened. But I think that it's a really good thing that we have peer educators because they're definitely listening now, at least in Berkeley. Right. That's interesting because I find that, um, whether you know somebody your own age, do you think that it doesn't affect you, especially when I was young? I thought HIV was something that, you know, would never be something that I would have to worry about. I was invisible. I was Superman. You know what I mean? And having somebody your age, actually, who would have been my age at the time when I was in high school, obviously, to talk to me about it, I think it would have really made me waken up a little bit more and realize that this is something that, you know, affects the everyday person. So I think that you, when you take those moments when people may say something that may be stigmatizing to people living with HIV to actually educate them, is a really incredible thing that, that should be commended because you are opening the eyes of people who may, you know, 
never, ever think that this would happen to them and would end up like myself. Yeah, I would say that I think in terms of education, the things that have affected the students or the my peers the most is when the people who are speaking to them don't fit a stereotype of who they think should have AIDS or HIV. So, um, I mean, I'm not going to name any names, but we've had a speaker once who was, you know, a white girl who was looked really, I don't know, like looked like she should be at a Catholic school, like not getting into trouble. And she goes up there and says, no one's an exception. And I think that's what woke people up, thinking, you know, instead of thinking, oh, that's not me, that's not me, that's not me, they were thinking, oh, wait, that might be me. I should go, you know, educate myself. Right. Um, so can we talk a little bit about just the experience of, um, I mean, I I think a lot of people or or listeners are are coming from the vantage point of, you know, you were born from a woman who was living with HIV, and you know now a lot of us know that that you can there's a lot of uh, drugs that women can take while they're pregnant, so um, it's it's fairly easily preventable to um, the transmission of HIV from uh, mother to child. But back when you guys were born, that wasn't really the case, correct? Right. So, was it, I mean, and I still actually don't even know the answer to this question. Like, what are the odds of that happening? Were, were the odds of you being born HIV and negative back then? Or, like, can you talk a little bit about that? Well, that's a hard question to answer because I actually don't know if Sarah's going to ask right now. But um, <laughs> I can cute. tell you that... <laughs> I can tell you that uh, we were in the first trials. Oh, she says 4%. That's really oh, low. Oh, wow. 4%, yeah. It's a miracle. So, That's interesting. Yeah, so, so, <laughs> wow, you're, so you're really lucky, actually. Yeah. Um, and I know there has something to do with, because actually it's, it's weird biological stuff, and I remember learning it in college, but... Um, there actually can be a case where the the child has a different blood type than the mother, so there's something having to do with the the directional way that the blood flows from the mother to the baby. So I guess that's how the it, it works out. But interesting, very interesting. So well, that's great for you guys. I mean, it's awesome. <laughs> so girls, talk a little bit about actually your mother and, and what she has done for the community. Oh, gosh, I am so proud of my mother. Um, she uh, she started this organization called WORLD, um, which stands for Women Organized to Respond to Life-Threatening Diseases. And she basically started a newsletter, which was kind of a support for people who had HIV AIDS and didn't think that they were going to have a life anymore. And so... This newsletter was kind of tells them, hey, this isn't the end of the world. You can still live your life. You can still have a good time, and then eventually you could maybe even have children. And so it was really mainly just a big support network and gave lots of uh, resources to people who had HIV AIDS. When did that start? Oh, gosh. <laughs> you can just guesstimate. Um, probably... Oh, gosh. What? 
1991. There we go. Awesome. Oh, so it's been a really, it's been a long time. That's great. Because 1991 was like early days, and I mean, I was diagnosed in '90, and I I sear converted in '89, and I just remember 1991. We all thought we were gonna die, so it was was a crazy time. So it's really impressive that she took that initiative. Yeah, if I remember correctly, a lot of people told her that her newsletter wouldn't really make it, and people wouldn't wouldn't be interested in reading that kind of thing. But she she was persistent, and she did it anyway. And I think that that was a really big help, and I'm glad she did it. Yeah, that's awesome. I think it's courageous of, of what, what your mother has done. Um, you were, I obviously met you at the International AIDS Conference. Can you explain a little bit of why you were there, both of you? Um, well, I really wanted to go because I felt like I had recently been to um, a world reunion for my mother's organization that she started, and a lot of people came up to me and told me and my sister that we were like a beacon of hope and we were really important to them. We had inspired them, and they were just so happy that we were here. And I felt like we were this big part of the AIDS community, but I didn't feel like we knew enough about it, and we didn't really feel like we weren't actually a part of it yet. And I also kind of realized that because of like who I am and who my mother is, I actually might have a say in, and, like, have some power in maybe fighting this disease. And so I told my mom I was interested in going to the conference, and she was totally on board. She did lots of research for me and helped me get there, and Maura Reardon helped us um, stay there and all that kind of stuff. And it was it was super – I'm so glad that I went. And Sophie, I'm sure, is too. Yeah. Wasn't it amazing? It was It was so amazing. It was so good. Crazy. (laughs) (laughs) So what did you girls get from the conference? What did you walk away from with? Um I got we got a lot of stuff out of the conference. I think well one thing is we didn't actually go to that many workshops. Because uh yeah, because we just we were jet lagged and we never got the time right and the only one we ended up going to was for people with disabilities which is actually really cool but i think what we got away from it was more about the community and like the people that we met than it was about the actual information that was given to us at workshops so we spent a lot of time in the global village as you know we went to like a lot of dinners where we met you, Robert. Um, and I think it's about that, the actual human interactions and the human experiences that uh, brought us closer to the community, and I think that's what we got the most out of. Yes, I was going to say, that was the best part. Hello, I didn't go yeah, to any know, of the obviously. workshops. <laughs> I didn't go to any of the workshops. I stayed in the Global Village the whole time and then, like, <laughs> ran around outside. I'm like, that was the fun part. I'm like, I mean, I know, I'm like, screw the conference, screw, screw all the workshops. <laughs> I'm hanging out in the global village. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. I also the other thing that we got out of it was living in D C alone. <laughs> so that was cool. Oh, you got to go by yourself? Well, we weren't with our parents or anything, so yeah, we were staying in a hotel room by ourselves and we had to get around the city by ourselves and we kind of had that experience because we traveled abroad last summer, but 
don't That's know, it's sweet. different in D.C. <laughs> yeah. How fun. Yeah. Yeah, I have to admit, I think when I go to any kind of conference that's HIV-related, like the conference itself and the, and the workshops aren't what really intrigues me. It's more of the, the sidebar conversations that happen afterwards, like meeting you girls at the conference. I think like that was one of the highlights, and I told your mom that, that last week, that Aww. meeting you guys and just having that experience with you and, and, and Sean having that experience with you, it really made his time at the conference a good one because he was able to to talk with you and, 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 and get a different side of what it's like to, you know, to be a child of somebody with HIV where he was newly diagnosed. You know what I mean? And, and that Buffy.com dinner, I think, changed his life, his life being there and, and hearing the stories from all the bloggers that were there, including yourselves. It was just really touching those personal moments and those little conversations that you have that you think that are everyday conversations, but they really do change lives. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. I really, really like the personal conversations. And also, Sophie's actually wrong. We went to a few more uh, games <laughs> in the conference. Um, we went to the Red Ribbon Ceremony, which was so inspiring just because it was really upbeat and it was really about um, all of the organizations that were doing incredible things around the world. And so I think that that was super inspiring to go to, and I'm really glad I went there because I left feeling like – there is a lot that we can do and that people have a lot, actually a lot more power than some people think. So, I well, think I, I, also, I also think that, um, you know, I mean, all, I mean, I'm not to poo-poo the workshops and stuff because they are really great and informative and I've been to a lot of educational things and some of them are really super interesting and um, especially living with HIV. I'm like, you know, you want to know what's going on in your body and advances in science and all that's really great. But for me, it was also about the enormity of this, of it and how you're seeing all these people come together and you're like, all these people somehow are touched by HIV and AIDS. And, like, they're either living with it or someone they know is living with it or their family member is living with it. And, like, it just makes it all very real. And it's really moving and it's really powerful. And I think that's what you take away more than anything else. Yeah, I, I definitely, sorry, I definitely agree. Um, I just, I didn't realize that it was such a big community. That's part of what I was saying about how meeting people was the highlight. It's, it's just, I had no idea that it extended this far. We knew about the people, you know, in our neighborhood at our little events, but we didn't realize that this was like really, you, you know, when we went to the red ribbon ceremony and we were able to see people from, the far corners of the world that were doing amazing work. And so I think that was really awesome. And also to see Barbara Lee repping our county, Woo. that was really cool too. <laughs> awesome. Real quick, um, I just want to open up the phone lines. Anybody wants to call in because I see people sitting on hold, but they may just be listening. If you want to call in, you can reach at 347-215-9442 if you have a question Sophie and Sarah. Um one of the questions that I do have for you coming from um, um, Twitter is asking, what would you say to a school where they do not have a class about HIV or testing or even mention HIV? You mean what would we say to the students? What would you say to the students or what, what would you... The yeah, administration. <laughs> oh, oh, boy. <laughs> um, I would 
say that it's really not something that can be danced around, and the only there's no reason why you shouldn't teach it to me. I mean, obviously other people think differently, but I think that it's so vital to just general well-being and health and people's lives that I think it's a huge problem if it's not taught. And I think that's a big reason that the epidemic is so big in the South. And I just, I have no idea why people would not be informed. I guess maybe because of stigma, but yeah, I would just say that for all the people living with HIV, um, you're killing them if you don't educate them. I mean, like, that sounds really, really harsh, but if they don't know how to protect themselves or how to protect others, you are essentially, like, leading that community to a place where they're kind of self-destructing and they can't stop it because they don't know any better. Right. And so that is a responsibility that a school should take on, or at least the community should take on. So, yeah, that's my take. No, that was a great answer. And I think... um I mean, I think often is the case, especially, I mean, in really, really religious communities. They, they teach abstinence, and they think the teenagers aren't experimenting, and you're too young to know about that. And I'm like, that's ridiculous. I'm like, you know, ed- providing the information education is not advocating that people engage in behavior. Teenagers are teenagers, and they're going to do what they want to do, and you want to do your best yeah. to make sure they're doing it safely. Yeah, I mean, abstinence is obviously a pretty good way to – keep yourself from getting HIV via sexual... Yeah, that's great, of course. That's one option. I mean, at the same time, like, you can't always control that, you know? Like, I know somebody who got it because she was raped, you know? Like, that... Like, it's not something that you can just dance around or pretend like it's not an issue because you've told them just not to have sex. It doesn't work like that. Right. Let me, um, let's take a quick 30-second break, and we'll come right back because I have a caller waiting on the line, and I want to go to them. So we'll be right back in about 30 seconds. I contracted a preventable disease from a guy that looks good and smells good but never mentioned that he had HIV. But he is not to blame. I should have loved myself enough to protect myself. But through it all, I found self-love, and it's the greatest thing I ever felt. I was never less than or equal to AIDS, but always greater. I just realized that not caring for myself or my body, I was my biggest hater. I am author of the Naked Truth, Marvin Brown, and I am greater than eight. And we are back live with Jack McEnroth and our special guest, Sophie and Sarah Denison Johnson. Are you girls with us? Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, we have uh, a call here, so let me bring on area code 215. Hello, you're on the air. Hello? Hey, Sarah, Sophie, it's Sean. How are you? Hi, Sean. <laughs> First of all, I want to thank you for liking all my Facebook posts. It means a lot to me. But I just have to thank <laughs> you guys. Um, I met you guys at the IAC, and it was a simultaneous attraction because being a high school teacher, I was like, wow, I can't believe that there's people, you know, the age group that I teach and I was just like, wow. And you guys did came over to give me a big hug um, since I was newly diagnosed. Um, but I said to a I said to a special blogger how powerful you are because it's the new generation. It's the people that don't know, that don't understand, 
you know, what goes along with HIV and the stigma. Um, and I just wanted to let you know how important you guys were to me and how much you made an impact to me um, and how much the younger generation really needs to know and have advocates like yourselves. Um, I'm a teacher in New Jersey, and just even hearing about that they have, you know, anonymous STD um, testing is awesome because New Jersey is very progressive in the sense that 15 years ago, I got taught about STDs. I got taught about HIV, um, but not a lot of other states are fortunate enough um, to have that kind of um, testing and that kind of education. So I just kind of wanted you guys to, if you could elaborate a little bit upon what you guys do have in Berkeley and what you guys do in your within your school as far as education of HIV. I mean, we were, it was discussed, it was talked about, yes, abstinence, wear a condom, et cetera. Um, don't need to get into super detail, but uh, just saying, like, you know, what do you guys do um, at Berkeley because it is so progressive and, unfortunately, not a not a lot of other states um, have that kind of teaching. And I don't know if you realize how blessed you guys are with the kind of education that you receive there in California. Well, so, okay. So I know, it's very, uh, very convoluted. It's okay. I got this. Okay. So, basically, we have um, the health center is an on is basically like an on campus doctor's office. And they provide counseling, they provide uh like medical care, like if you just need a band aid or an ice pack. They provide support for LGBTQ. They they provide like all these great you know, the S T D S T I testing, they give out free condoms, all this great stuff. And through them is also run the program called Shift. Um and that's a that's a program where students are have a tiny little salary to go around during school to the different classes and peer educate. So when you're a freshman, you have about a month where in your English and history classes, you have the unit called social living where they're supposed to educate you about everything, I guess, in that one month, which actually isn't that much time. But um, anyways... They come in, they do different classes on STDs, STIs, and that's when the shift people will be able to come into the different classes um, and explain those kinds of things. They also like they also do how to put on a condom. They don't just say to wear one, so that's probably helpful. <laughs> um, they they have they answer questions. They do all this really great stuff, but I think it's. The be- one of the best parts about it is that first of all, the peers can come in and talk. So you're listening to your to people who are your age telling you. So you're actually listening to them. But also the fact that it's worked <laughs> into the curriculum. They're not just coming in like to your random classes and telling you about it. It's a whole month where, in a third of your classes, you are learning about it. So I think it's good because it's a whole focused month. That's awesome. And you said you're. 
Pardon? So can you repeat that? I said you guys are trying to get involved in this program to Yeah, um, I, I really wanted to be a part of it just because I learned so much at the AIDS conference, and I really was inspired there by going to the marches and meeting all of you lovely people. And so I came back, and I've been trying to get into contact with the um, health educator because I missed the deadline to apply. But um, I'm still trying really hard to to uh, talk to the educator and get involved in the health center because it's, it's really important to me, obviously, because, I mean, I have a lot of friends with HIV, and my mother has HIV, of course. So I'm I'm trying really hard. It's proving a little bit more difficult than I thought it would be, but, yeah. Well, all I have to say in closing is that I'm your biggest fan. Thank you so much. Thank you for being such a great advocate at such a young age because I think it's important to attack the stigma and kill the stigma when it's young. And well, I wish that I could have that kind of outspokenness in my classroom. But You're the best, Sean. Unfortunately, I, I, I can't just – I'm not a health – teacher, I'm a math teacher, so I don't have that opportunity, but I just want to thank you for spreading the stigma, killing the stigma at such a young age. So thank you very much, both Sophie and Sarah. Miss you guys, can't wait to see you. (laughs) That was awesome. So um, I have to also mimic what Sean said, is you guys are really the youngest advocates that we've had on the show. And I think that it's amazing what you do and commendable. And I, as Sean said, we're your biggest fans here. I think that the connection that we made with you at IBC is something that will last forever. And I hope to see you at, at a future conference sometime soon. And I'm super jealous because I'm a new fan and I and we were in the chat room and um, and he, uh, Robert, t- messaged me, and he's like, oh, my God, they're so cute. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm loving them. So you guys are <laughs> totally awesome. So I, ho- I hope I get to meet you in the near future. Oh, for sure. I mean, you were on Project Runway, so you get fan well. points, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. well, yeah, Jack. No, I was just going to say, you guys have been really – because we were talking before. I'm like, are they – you know, 16, 16 is – you know, a, a, a young, youngish age, and we were like, okay, like, you know, I don't know if they're going to be very articulate or a good thing, and then he's like, no, they're super cute, and I'm like, okay, good. Like, So, yeah, you guys are super <laughs> articulate and smart, and I'm really impressed with everything you're doing. Uh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on tonight and, and sharing a part of your story with us, and, and we do here at the radio show, and and we just think you're great. So I want to thank you and allow your thank your mother for allowing you to come on because she was very concerned that everything was going to go crazy, and I just wanted to make sure that it was good and we were smooth and, you know, we all do here. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for giving us this opportunity. All right, good um, luck in school. You know, okay. yeah, we'll get good grades. <laughs> <laughs> all right, have a good night. Okay, go on, bye So, Jack, um, now that we love, you know, our guests are gone, Sophie and Sarah Dennison Johnson, thank you for joining us this evening. Um, it was an awesome show, but I have a couple of minutes left, so I want to talk a little bit more about your your voltage. 
Well, you know what? Maybe we, we'll just talk about it another time. Because I mean, but I mean, for anyone who's out there, basically, if it, it's it's a site for HIV positive men who have sex with men. And right now, I mean, go to voltage.com, B-O-L-T-T-A-G-E, and it's free. Um, eventually, we're going to have to, you know, charge something because we have to staff it, and it's going to just grow and grow and grow. And we'll have a mobile app in probably about three months, and we're going to have. Um, a lot of live events, a lot of promotional stuff, and we're going to add bloggers, possibly Robert. Um, so, and I think we'll be doing stuff in tandem with with Paul's I Am and with different um, HIV AIDS, uh, you know, groups. So, like I said, we have our, our event at the Ritz in New York City on Thursday, this coming Thursday, the 25th from 9 to 12. So, just check out my website, check out my Facebook page, check out Voltage.com, and um, yeah, I mean, we could talk about like all the ramifications of it and everything that's going to happen with it. We could talk about it for a whole hour, so maybe we'll get the chance to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, <laughs> tell me. Um, okay, so, so that works. Um, and your website for people who may be tuning in for the first time. Say what? Your website. Can you let people know what your website is for those who are tuning in for the first time? Your personal website. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm jackmackenroth.com, and it just kind of got redone, which is good, because now you can actually look at it, because it was such a piece of crap before. I just said that. When I was sitting here, I went to your website before to look at your email address, and I went, oh, Sean, he's his website. Yeah, well, because I know nothing about programming, and so the guys who did Voltage were like, your website sucks because it's full of flash and no one can look at it and whatever. And I was like, okay, please fix it. So, like, in 20 minutes, they fixed it. So, oh, it's much better. You should come to the website because mine's full of flash, too. <laughs> well, maybe maybe when we're done fixing all our stuff, we'll come over to you. So. There you go. There you go. I feel the love. I also want to remind people that our friend Jamar Rogers is actually going to be making a guest appearance voice on one of the coming episodes. So, oh, he is? Um, yeah. Yeah, he's doing a, um, I don't know, I, I believe he's going on just to sing, um, but he That's will be awesome. on, you know, on the upcoming episode. Uh, I actually got to meet them at the National AIDS Conference. Were you there? Yeah, he's awesome. Yeah, another thing I'm going to talk about real quick since we have a couple minutes is that today we were at the, uh, the, the Philly AIDS World and, um, me, Sean, and my Tracy who goes with me there, um, and it was awesome. And, and DC AIDS Walk this week. If you're in the DC local area, um, you can go and do the walk there. It was an amazing time. It's walking eight and a half miles. It kills my feet. Um, but at the end of the day, I tell people I can walk and get pains in my feet for all those that have passed away. And today was right. actually they had curl pet bad curl panels there, and actually this was the first small. They had ECE. They had his panel there, and I never saw the panel before. That film, so I was really surprised to see him and Freddie Mercury and Keith Haring and all those other people that have passed away before us. So wow, it was, it was a great experience. So yeah, if you're able to do the age walk in your city, do it. So um, we are down to the last thirty seconds. So I want to thank Jack for joining me this evening. Um, and, and filling in for Jeremy, and I know that you'll be on in December when you give me your dates. We'll have that set up. More information on Jack, you can go to jackmackermoth.com. For more information on his fabulous website, you can go to voltage.com.
com. That's Voltage with two com. And for more information on myself and the radio show and interviews that we've done, you can go to pause.com. That Jack, thank you so much for hosting with me. My pleasure. They were awesome. You're awesome. Everything's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have a great night. And thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Bye.